Chapter 4 The day of the entrance exam dawned with blisteringly cold winds and overcast skies, rendering the world a muted gray that washed out the natural vibrancy of color. The wind was swift and biting, nipping harshly at any ounce of exposed flesh that it could find, and leaving it red and stinging. Luckily, Izuku had been obsessive about checking the weather in the week leading up to the exam, and had purchased a scarf marked in nauseatingly bright pinks and yellows to keep his face from freezing. It clashed horribly with the black of his school uniform, but he knew well enough that it served a much higher purpose than being fashionable. Even so, he had at least made an effort to brush his hair and line his clips up neatly on either side of his head, a rainbow of color marking both sides. He'd placed clusters of tiny stickers underneath his ears, hoping that his scarf and hair would keep them mostly concealed. The potential embarrassment of being mocked for his poor fashion was nothing compared to the relief it provided him. He'd have dumped buckets of paint over his head if he thought it would be sufficient to lessen the burden of the shadows that clung to his limbs. The train he'd taken was populated with scatterings of other examinees, and he shrunk down in his seat the entire time to avoid garnering any attention. Much to his relief, Kachan hadn't been on the same train, and everyone else had paid him no mind. Staring at his impersonal phone feed was mildly depressing, but it was better than having to make eye contact or small talk. The walk up to the building itself was nerve-wracking, and Izuku struggled to divert energy into walking while also staving off a panic attack. Of course, his usual method of internal pep talk boiled down to listing the absolute worst-case scenarios, which oddly helped mellow him out. If he imagined being struck by a meteor or having villains string him up like butcher's stock, it took the edge off his nerves about the exam. It was foolproof. At least, until he lost focus and began muttering out loud, several vaguely morbid statements intertwined with useless trivia knowledge slipping free without his say-so. Guttermouth would probably single us out, considering her quirk is more suited to single targets, so she might bring Javelin? Wait, wasn't he from the Silver Age? Oh gosh, I hope I didn't get my timeline mixed up, but I was so sure she was in the same era. He noticed about four seconds too late that the laces on his bulky red sneakers had loosened, and he was left staring at the upcoming ground with dull acceptance. For quite a while, actually. Hey, you all right? A female voice called out to him in a tone more cheerful than any he'd ever heard directed at him before. His immediate reaction was to assume it was mockery, and she had caught him by the backpack and was going to drop him as soon as he looked up. Sorry about, uh, using my quirk on you without permission. Steady hands gently ribbed him, before the tug of gravity pulled him back onto his own feet. He stared up with bulging eyes at the sweetly smiling girl in front of him, and vaguely admired her hairstyle. I just figured you wouldn't mind not hitting the ground. Something in her voice... It was teasing, but not malicious? She hadn't hurt him, or made fun of him, but she was teasing, so... Was she making a joke? Not at his expense? Izuku stared at her in a sort of dazed wonder, before reality snapped him like a rubber band. Uh, uh, sorry, um, thank you very much. His face didn't know what kind of a smile to pull itself into, so it just became something half-thankful, half-terrified. No problem, she soothed, her genuine grin making him feel both inadequate and strangely warm inside. Hey, good luck on the exam! See you inside! She performed a cutesy little wave and bounced away, leaving him awestruck in place. 
he made a strangled noise when she was already twenty feet away, and managed to make his legs move about five seconds after. Unfortunately, his foot hooking in front of his leg helped to undo his tentative balance, sending him crashing straight into the bricks underneath him. He landed half on his face and half on one hand that skidded from the impact, leaving the palm stinging and his forehead aching. Better fucking pay attention, Deku. That's just a taste of the shit you'll be eating later. Midoriya managed to recover in time to see Bakugo's spiky hair enter the building, his heart pulsing pathetically in his chest. He rose with slow, controlled movements, and quietly waved off a few words of concern from other test-takers around him. He... Kachan couldn't slow him down anymore. He'd get up, and he'd keep moving. Even if it killed him. Izuku eventually shuffled into the orientation room. A fair-sized antechamber. He was pretty sure it was an antechamber, not that he was really too knowledgeable about architecture. Filled with numerous seats in front of an open stage, he noticed with a spike of panic that the majority of them were already filled, and he scurried to take one far away from Kachan. Before long, someone came up on stage, present Mike, Izuku's hero research compartment supplied, and began greeting them with so much enthusiasm that Izuku wasn't sure if it was forced or not. Either way, it garnered no reaction, but present Mike moved on without breaking stride. It was oddly admirable, even if his loud and over-the-top presentation hurt Izuku's ears. Strangely enough, present Mike kept the explanation pretty succinct, even if he threw in some wacky lingo that Midoriya vaguely recalled hearing from his radio show. The explanation was interrupted partway by an extremely loud and terse boy that Izuku didn't recognize. But the stern, bold demeanor made him wilt a little at the thought of what the rest of the competition would be like. Well, he already knew, didn't he? If there was anyone even remotely like Kachan, then he was pretty sure he'd just pass out before the exam began. No, he just had to... He had to be smart, to be clever. His quirk, however he could use it to his advantage without hurting others. He would. He'd spent hundreds of hours learning as much as he could about heroes, and quirks in general. He had over a thousand pages filled with theories and strategies and tactics that he'd burned into his brain, helping him avoid reliance on a powerful quirk alone. He just had to think of it as an asset, instead of something to be afraid of. He would conquer the terror, he would rein in his fear, and he'd use it for something good, something better than he ever could without it. He could feel sparks of determination in his veins, the kind of thing that made his limbs shake with anticipation instead of dread. He would. He would. He would. Every ounce of tentative determination in Izuku Midoriya's guts was swallowed whole by rolling stomach acids. His stomach battered the rest of his internal organs as he stared up at the gigantic gate that would lead them into the city block-sized testing area. He was surrounded by at least 50 other applicants, the vast majority of them looking cool, calm, collected, and confident. He could already feel sweat beating under his hideously mismatched sweatsuit, his smile teetering back and forth. Everyone else looked so, well, heroic. He probably just looked like a colorblind idiot that had no idea what to do with his hair. He scratched gently underneath his ear, fingertip trembling as he brushed the slick surface of the stickers. Something bright, something colorful, something on him that didn't make everything around it worse. He glanced up for a moment, 
eyes catching on the same girl that had helped him out front. She probably didn't even realize he'd eaten pavement regardless. But it was the thought that mattered. He nervously brushed his scraped palm against the leg of his pants and made a tentative approach. Hey! A voice cut through the chatter, but did not silence it. That could only mean it was directly behind him. Izuku flinched around to locate the source, blanching when he saw the same stern, humorless face that had interrupted the orientation. What do you think you're doing? Going to bother that girl? Can't you tell she's preparing for the exam? Are you attempting to get her off balance to lessen the competition? He raised his head at an angle, sunlight glinting off his glasses in a bizarrely menacing display. A vague part of Midoriya wanted to point out that the guy was jumping to a lot of conclusions very quickly, but the rest of him realized that the guy was dizzyingly tall and muscular, so instead he squeaked something in fear, tears already butting forth. No, I, I just wanted to thank her for... His defense was cut short the moment present Mike put himself over the airwaves, his voice as loud and wild as it had been before. At least there were no acoustics outside. Izuku reflected with mild optimism, which soon became wild panic when he realized he'd completely zoned out and everyone was already running into the course, and wasn't there supposed to be some kind of countdown or something? His upper body threw itself into action before his legs even remembered to move, and he ate cement for a second time that morning. For a moment, he wanted nothing more than to just sob into the ground and go home, maybe shift his aspirations towards gardening, where he at least couldn't make himself look stupid but he had to move forward. He had to chase the light. He couldn't let it slip away without even trying. Izuku burst into action with a choked cry, launching himself low across the ground, before even properly riding himself. It wasn't fast enough to catch up, but he could at least get in and clean up any enemies that had been left behind. If he couldn't be the eagle, then he would be the vulture. That poetic line of thinking ground to a swift and sudden halt as a robot burst through the fabricated storefront just ten feet in front of him, sleek and mobile, and about four times his size. He blanched at the realization that he couldn't exactly use his quirk without losing most of his basic motor functions and all of his breakfast afterwards, and ducked away with a shriek when the automaton buzzed towards him. But something else buzzed as well. A high-pitched noise that was instantaneously followed by the robot bursting into scrap and an explosion of dazzling light. Izuku ripped his head around to see a boy with extremely carefully coiffed hair and a giant silver belt around his waist that was slowly dimming in the center. He managed a questioning noise when the boy winked at him, his voice rising in something of a French accent. Bonjour, mon ami. Gracias for the assist. I like your hair clips, too. Such a shame I won't be seeing much of you from now on. The boy laughed and skipped away, firing brilliant lasers down on a side street. It, isn't that Spanish? Midoriya wondered out loud, because his thought process had hit a fatal snag. Until the sound of further explosions sent the gears whirring. He didn't have any points. It'd been like four minutes and he hadn't done anything. He spun around to look for a route that wasn't littered with robot cadavers, only to spot the same girl that had helped him earlier. She had half a dozen of the enemies suspended in the air, and she made a very deliberate motion to send them crashing and exploding back to the earth. A gravity quirk, his mind supplied, extremely unhelpfully. He was utterly overwhelmed by the increasing sounds of battle around him, his arms itching and his fingers shaking, and, and he just needed a minute. One minute. He just needed to think without something loud and terrifying happening, 
His prayers were answered when the tide of robots stemmed and sputtered out, students glancing around warily. He was probably the first to spot it, he realized dimly. After all, he was the only one shaking in bone-rattling terror at the sight of the... He wasn't very good with judging height, but the buildings around him averaged at about twelve stories, and considering that the robot was at least a story and a half taller, one hundred and thirty-seven-foot-tall metal abomination that had just emerged from the ground and knocked over several buildings. The resulting dust storm was enough to catch the other applicants' attention, a cacophony of conversation bubbling for a few moments before it popped and they scattered. Midoriya should have done the same, should have turned tail and looked for greener pastures, because it was worth zero points, but he was frozen in place, and he was going to fail if he didn't get even a single one. Fail! He would fail, a useless, worthless failure, just like Kachan said. He was always right. Always, always, always. H help Izuku emerged with a gasp from his spiraling panic, his chest thumping with uneven breaths at the sound of a call for assistance. His gaze tore through the street, stopping on the same gravity girl, trapped underneath a massive piece of rubble. His heart skipped at least a hundred beats, because he was sure it had stopped. Why couldn't she lift it? Was she injured? The zero point was coming, and he had to, had to, had to— Izuku sprinted down the street with as much speed as his gangly legs could take him, swift and sure-footed in a way he could never manage when he actually paid attention. He moved on autopilot, his conscious mind stealing himself for the battering it was about to take. He skidded across the concrete and stopped in front of the girl, staring down at her with wide, glassy eyes. She stared up as well, confused and hopeful and close your eyes and don't open them until i say to no matter what you hear his voice held more gravitas than it ever had before frayed wires warping together into something sturdier something that played at true solidity but it was enough the girl squeezed her eyes shut and izuku allowed fear to consume ochako uraraka screwed her eyes closed as tightly as she could her heart hammering in her chest. She waited for something. An explosion, a burst of light, or some sort of indication that a quirk had been activated. But all she heard was howling, a course of wailing upset that drilled into her brain, her breath coming in shallow pants and her heart thump-thump-thumping until she was sure it would pop. The voices bloated the air around her, the flat colors swimming behind her eyelids, turning into starbursts of ghoulish silhouettes. It felt like she was dying, the terror so thick and tarry in her throat, whimpers unheard over the cacophony that plucked at her limbs with razor wires. But she couldn't move, couldn't stand, couldn't breathe. And she had to keep her eyes closed, because if she didn't, the nightmare would get her too.